All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Academy Arguments. I'm Andrew Nunez. And I'm Brittany McHugh. And we are joined here by your own mind and thoughts for this that is episode. Terrifying. I don't <laughs> wish to speak to them. <laughs> to your mind and thoughts? Nope. I have done everything I could to make sure that I never have to speak and be alone with my thoughts. So that Dang. is terrifying that you've just invited them on the podcast. Dang. Um, don't know why you did that without consulting me. Yeah. Do, do they have names or are they just called your, your mind and, and thoughts? I mean, do, w- does yours have a name? Yeah. What's it? What's its name? Yeah. Uh, you, you got uh, Jonathan. That's the name of my mind. And then you got uh, Javier. That's the name of my thoughts. You know what? Those are fantastic names for your mind and Thank thoughts. You. So I'm just, I'm not, you know what? Oh Hats off to you. I think you just won this episode. Um, okay. We're done. Good night, everybody. Yep. Good night, guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. We, we don't want to deprive you guys of an episode. So we will keep going for you guys and we will keep things chugging along. And we will keep talking about today's movie. And what is today's movie, you ask? Well, today's movie is the 1998 romantic period comedy drama film Shakespeare in Love. Starting Gwyneth Paltrow, Joseph Fiennes, Jeffrey Rush, Colin Firth, Ben Affleck, and Judi Dench, just to name a few folks in this film. Yeah, I guess we can kind of get right into it. Like, What what were all of our, uh, both of our impressions, uh, either watching this for the first time or rewatching it. Uh, but for me, I, I watched this film for the first time for, for this episode. So we'll start with you, Brittany. Yeah, same. Never seen it. Knew it was about William Shakespeare. I knew Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. I was actually very fascinated because Andrew picked th- this movie for this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. I was very fascinated by that choice because from what I know about you, Andrew, you don't like romantic period pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was trying to uh, push my boundaries. Okay, Brittany. I was trying to to be open minded to things that I would never ever normally watch in my life. As as far as uh, what I knew going into this film, I knew that Gwyneth Paltrow had won an Oscar for this. Uh, I knew that Judy Dench played the queen in this. I knew that. Colin Firth played a jackass in this. I think I might have watched like one or two clips from this when I was studying Shakespeare in high school. I, I don't remember what, what was the context for it necessarily, but yeah, I remember seeing like a clip from this because it had Judy Dench as the queen, and and that's basically it. So yeah, that, cool. that's pretty much all I knew. Cool. But so now- we didn't know anything. Yeah, basically next to nothing. <laughs> um, I would like to preface our entire episode by saying, if those of you who think this is a true story, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not at all. It's absolutely not a true story. Um, 100% fabricated. Absolutely. Um, all of those like pretty poetry and stuff that's in Shakespeare's plays, they didn't actually talk like that back then. Like no. They only did that for plays. So um, no. all bullshit. Nothing true. All, yeah. P- please, please, please. Do not consider this historical fact. I beg of you. That is the reason I it doesn't say. That's the reason it, it doesn't say based on a true story, because it's <laughs> not. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. All right. Let's get into the Oscars. This uh, this movie won. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a lot actually. 
It was the 71st Academy Awards. It got 13 nominations and ended up winning seven. And the winners were Best Picture, Gwyneth Paltrow won Best Actress, Judy Dench won Best Supporting Actress, Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard won Best Screenplay Written Directly for the Screen, Stephen Warbeck won Best Original Musical or Comedy Score, Martin Childs and Jill Courtier won Best Art Direction, and Sandy Powell won Best Costume Design. John Madden was nominated for Best Directing, lost to Steven Spielberg for Saving Private Ryan. Jeffrey Rush was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, lost to James Coburn for Affliction. Robin O'Donohue, Dominic Lester, and Peter Golosp were nominated for Best Sound, lost for Saving Private Ryan. Richard Greatrex was nominated for Best Cinematography, lost to Saving Private Ryan. Lisa Westcott and Veronica Berbner were nominated for Best Makeup, lost to Elizabeth. And David Gamble was nominated for Best Film Editing, lost to Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Andrew, I don't know if you know, but this was the year that Saving Private Ryan came out as well. Yep. Yeah. Did did you know that based on the amount of times I just said Saving Private Ryan? (laughs) Uh, uh, no, can you say it one more time, please? Cool. So this was actually the same year that Saving Private Ryan came out, in my opinion, an actually better movie that should have won Best Picture instead of this movie. But, you know. (laughs) You know, I, I know, I know that we, we do a podcast specifically about Oscar winning films, but this just goes to show how if you have a good publicist, you can really make anything happen. Like the Oscars are just... I have been saying that since we started this podcast. Why are you suddenly swooping in and claiming like it's some freaking big revelation? Have have no has no one heard me? Has no one heard what I have been saying? I have I mean, said it so many episodes. To, to, to be fair to our, our listeners, you haven't brought up that point in a hot second. So for I have brought anyone, it. I feel like I brought I, it up I, like three episodes ago. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't have the best memory, so I, I, I can. I can okay, then what are you saying? You haven't brought it up in a hot second. I'm sorry, I didn't bring it up ten minutes ago to you, and so it's already gone from your mind. The transcript of three episodes ago to confirm or deny whether you did actually say it. But yeah, Andrew has a short term memory. If you don't say something to him, like, and he will remember it for like thirty minutes, and then it's gone. So to him, I have never actually said any of this because he has no memory of that. I'm not a clownfish. I don't have like a five second memory. It's like, what did you say? What was that? Was it? What was that? Was that? Uh, No, No, you just blocked all our podcasts from your mind. (laughs) Not all of the podcasts, Uh (laughs) just the ones where I have to shit talk movies I love. Uh, All right, let's uh, jump into this oh and i'm gonna remind you right at the beginning because as i said listeners andrew hates romantic period pieces he does not like them so i'm gonna remind you that we have both already used our switch and you are doing the positive side just curious was there a a, a movie i was i was mentioning specifically the last time i said i had i I hated romantic period pieces was there every time we do like a period piece you don't like it yeah, period pieces are. I think it's probably it's part of the reason why it's hard for me to get into like Game of Thrones because it's just like I have to suspend so much disbelief. But that's either here nor there. I will. What? Uh, I, that's yeah. a fantasy piece. That's not a period piece. Well, but like it takes place as if it were during like Middle Ages and stuff like that. You know, even, even though it's fantasy, no, it doesn't. There's not dragons in the Middle Ages, man. I, oh, Andrew, did you not know this? There aren't 
dragons. I said, and there aren't magic people. Okay, did you hear the first part I said? I said uh-huh. yes, even though where it's a fantasy I, world, like based on like the costumes, based on the design of the sets, it's it's acting as if it were taking place during the Middle Ages. But I'm aware, uh, to, I'm aware dragons didn't really exist. Brittany. I kind of disagree with that. I think there's a big distinction between period pieces and fantasy pieces. So I, I think mean, if you're going to say if maybe, I'm not- maybe maybe as far as plot elements, okay, we're, we're getting away from the point here, but <laughs> we can make this a whole episode in of itself. Sure. Is we're not Game here to Thrones, discuss genres. Is Game of Thrones a period piece or fantasy? It's a fantasy uh, piece. It is a fantasy piece. Yes, a yes. period piece is based on a true time in history. Okay. All it's right. based on his. It's basically historical fiction. We will we will put a pin on that, and we no, will. No, there is no pin. I've won this argument. A fantasy piece is not based on historical fiction. A period piece is based on historical fiction. Historical fiction has an element of truth in it, in this fact that it was sent in a, set in a real time in history. Fantasy pieces are set in worlds that don't exist. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We could have. I, I could have honestly drawn that out for like the next. You could have, minutes. but you wouldn't have been right, Andrew. I am correct in this. But it would have been so it's much that fun. It's in a make-believe world. It would have been so much fun to draw that out for like fifteen more minutes. No, you just don't want to compliment this movie. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. Do your fucking job. It sounds like you and I are like in a cop show. Like we're just like having this banter. You're like, do your fucking job, detective. We have. You're to way out on a line, detective. You're way <laughs> out on a line. You need to do your fucking job. I don't care what the captain says. You have got to get your shit in order. And then crescendo with the music, and then title sequence. All right. And it's just us like sliding across cars. <laughs> But neither of us is very athletic, so we're like, we get halfway there, and then we kind of have to, like, scoot ourselves the rest of the way past the car. Or no, the whole show is literally just us, like, going back and forth, talking in our office about, no, this guy's the culprit. No, this guy's the culprit. Well, you obviously didn't look at this evidence because this person's the culprit. And it's just us arguing the whole time. And then the lieutenant comes in. So the serial killer has killed nine more women while you were away doing this so you guys need to stop fucking arguing and actually solve this goddamn case i feel like you guys are the most incompetent cops on the force uh you should quit <laughs> and the whole show is just one episode and, and yes exactly and exactly okay let's get okay. into this all right where do you where do you want to start uh i would like to start where i always start when i talk about romantic m- movies which is love at first sight fucking bullshit not a real thing. I hate it when like you meet them. It like the whole thing where they meet. I get it. I get it. The whole thing is an allegory to Romeo and Juliet. Andrew, quick question: Have you ever seen Romeo and Juliet? I have. Like the play? Yes. Like on stage? I believe. Oh my god. I mean, it was like a very like coddled down version, but I believe it was like. In elementary school, where we had like a mini unit on on Shakespeare, like the version I saw you is saw very it in elementary school. The grand the version I saw was like very coddled to the actual version of like Romeo and Juliet and what you're supposed to see. Uh, so I, I remember seeing some like some like stage version of it, and then obviously I saw the Baus Lerman Romeo and Juliet. So oh, I'm, you did? I'm, I'm familiar with it. I'm not. A yeah, the Baus Lerman the- version is. Uh, 
I'm not a huge fan of the Baz Luhrmann version. I was actually in Romeo and Juliet. So I have oh. seen this play. What was, many, what, was, what was your role? I was Lady Capulet's understudy. Um, hey. I did get to go on stage once, though, when my poor friend uh, who was playing Lady Capulet uh, tore her toenail off and couldn't walk. Um, she was a champ, though. She finished the entire – it was the party scene, so it's a really long scene. She finished the whole scene even though her toe was, like, bleeding on stage. <laughs> well, how, how, did that, how did that happen? She's Someone like- stepped on her foot and, yeah. And then they That's came up to me while I was watching the balcony scene from the wings. And they're like, hey, Brittany, you got to go on stage. She can't walk. So you got to go get in her costume now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yikes, 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 yikes. Yeah. Yikes. So, yeah, I've genuinely – I've seen this play many times. I've studied it, like, constantly because when we were in rehearsals, we were constantly going over the verse and the language and stuff. I know a lot of these lines basically just by ear. So when I was seeing this, I'm like, okay, so this whole thing is going to be just, oh, this happened in Romeo and Juliet, and this happened to them. Oh, this happened in Romeo and Juliet, and this happened to them. So like that whole scene at the party, that's all from Romeo and Juliet, like where they lock eyes and they're at the dance. And I'm like, well, okay, I also didn't believe that they were in love in Romeo and Juliet. I thought it was more of a lust thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bullshit. I mean, hey, hey, Brittany, in 1593, people didn't exactly live super long, so people kind of had to make their choices at a young age, you know? Getting to live to, like, 35 was a blessing, you know? That's still... uh, It it still doesn't mean that you fall in love in a day. You haven't even spoken. You have just, like, (laughs) briefly danced around, locking eyes with each other, and you're like, you know what? I'm so fucking in love with this person. I will give up my virginity for them, and it will be amazing because that is completely accurate. Your first time losing your virginity, always a fantastic time. Um, And I will... Pretend to be a boy because, you know, classic Shakespeare trope. Uh, and I will be in this play that he's writing and we'll make out behind the scenes. Classic show romance, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the term? A show? A showmance? A showmance. Uh, a showmance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Br- Brittany recently educated me on this term, showmance. I didn't even know that, that there was a term for that. I but, am uh, so surprised you didn't know what that was. We were no. theater kids in I high know. school. I know, but like, yeah, I just, well, I, mean, I feel like even like in high school, not many, two, not, not many people who acted in shows together, like got together, like Completely they, were either, they were either already together before the show. Well, I guess there was one. Inst- I don't want to say the people's names on. on no, the we're not going to say their names on the podcast. <laughs> but but I, I I can think I can think now of, of one instance where I'm like, okay, no, 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 that that I, did happen a little. I would bit. say most of the people in our high school who were in like our theater kids group, um, who were dating met through doing plays at the show, at the high school. Fair, fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. I see what you're saying. But bringing it back to the movie. Um, yeah, so bullshit. I, their, I, their love story, I got to tell you, least interesting part of this entire movie. Like, I, I, felt, I felt zero chemistry between them. I'm like, I am not at all interested. I hope you married. No, I didn't hope she married the other dude because he was an asshole. But I hope, asshole. yeah, I hope you decide to be like, you know what? It's, there, she had no good options. <laughs> like, I can't actually say what I hope. I hope she could have been like 
single forever and a badass actress and she wouldn't have gotten arrested for it and she would have had a ton of money. None of that would have happened, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't want her to marry Will Shakespeare, though. Like it's it's very fascinating how in like I feel like in other forms and other films and other shows like William Shakespeare, he's kind of written to be like this very how do I word it like very uh, knowledgeable, very like sort of quaint fella. And then here in this movie, he's kind of written out to be like this playboy almost, you know, this like very like. I don't know. Like I, I just. What like, wh- other question? Mm-hmm. What other forms of media besides like his plays have mm-hmm. you seen someone play William Shakespeare? Oh my god! It, because it was, like, in yeah. every single version I have seen, like Doctor Who, there was the like brief CW show I think where they had him. Um, no, I'm thinking of a spinoff of Romeo and Juliet. But <laughs> so Doctor Who, I've seen him portrayed as like a playboy i just didn't expect to see that that version here and like joseph finds as well like i i don't know they, i think they just gave him like this like even his look in this show because i remember growing up seeing all these photos of william shakespeare or at least what people thought he looked like and he looks very different from from how like he's kind of like made to appear in like the the pictures that were drawn of him so seeing because him, his like, head wasn't bigger than his chin well no because like that's how all the pictures back then were drawn like you have like this giant ass forehead and then you like this tiny chin yeah i mean maybe maybe it's it's that but i was just like oh okay this is this is interesting like (laughs) until someone said his name i didn't even register that 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 this guy was playing william shakespeare what he was Um, right we are told i have a new play by william shakespeare and then immediately cut dude is scribbling furiously as he's writing who did you think it was well, until I saw him like literally like writing his name several times, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's pretty clear about who who that is. Uh, may I also give like a shout out to Jeffrey Rush in in this film? I love his Jeffrey Rush in general. I think is is an awesome actor, but I love how he gives so much energy to his performance in this. It's nice to see him like in a, in. Well, I mean, I know this was before uh, he was yeah. Barbosa in the Pirates of the Caribbean series and everything. But even from like his first scene that actually Where kicks his off feet the film, are being like burned. I love yeah, being burned, uh, and and like I I oh like I recognized him right away, but I had to like go to IMDb just like to confirm. Um, but like yeah, like I love the energy that Jeffrey Rush brings to to the film. Um, I think he does such a great job in in his role. Um, and something else, I didn't expect Ben Affleck to be in this either. He when show, he like, showed up. Is that Ben Affleck? <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. It felt, it was like the equivalent to me of like an, inter- an interstellar when Matt Damon just shows up like uh, halfway through the film and it's like, okay, like you're, you're, you're in Matt- this. You were in none of the marketing materials for interstellar, but you're just here now. All right. I have cool. zero memory of Matt Damon being in interstellar. Yeah, I mean, he he was just kind of in and out. Like, he died I, probably a half hour after his character was introduced, so. I, I've i seen that movie once. I, I, I remember the bookcase scene. That's about it. I remember when, they, when they're first entering the wormhole. That we're, we're, we're done. We're done talking about Interstellar. Going back to this movie that you are going to praise the fuck out of. Yes, um, yes. 
Uh, Colin Firth did a great job playing an asshole. <laughs> like a little, a little too well. I was getting angry at his character. I was very. I mean, like, okay, great. I get it. He's Paris. I understand. Like, he's mm-hmm. supposed to be Paris, and then that scene where he's fighting fucking Shakespeare's fighting with the prop sword. But uh, yeah, you get that scene and that leads to the scene in the tomb where Paris and Romeo fight because Paris is like, "Who the? why the fuck are you here, Montague, in this tomb of this dead girl that I was supposed to marry? Valid point, I suppose. <laughs> I get it all. I get all the references. Yeah. I understand them all. I have, I watched so many versions of this play. We would do this play twice a night while it was running. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, I, I think it's really interesting how they kind of took the lines and they just kind of just throw through them in throughout the film. Like I remember at the beginning of the movie, was it like a priest or something that was saying like, yeah, he's talking about how like actors are filthy, like a plague on both their houses. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the priest who ended up loving Romeo and Juliet by the end. I'm like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like. Mercutio's gonna say that line like it was and just seeing all these little things just like pop up where it's like ha ah, that's funny that's gonna be a line in Romeo and Juliet like are you saying this sarcastically or are you saying this honestly because no I'm saying, honestly. Rem- okay. I'm saying this honestly okay I'm saying this honestly because this reminded me a lot of because you um, sound oh pretty sarcastic <laughs> maybe I'm just not sarcastic because your sarcasm is starting to rub off on me like my sarc- that's fair like it's just like we've been doing this podcast so long now where it's like <laughs> I'm just like starting to just you're just starting to sound like me. Sounds sarcastic all the time, even though that's not the case at all. Oh, you're in uh, for a horrible <laughs> life ahead of you, man. <laughs> hey, sarcasm can be a good thing. Sarcasm can be a good thing. It's just when you're on people who don't get sarcasm, that it goes over their head and all of that. <laughs> that's that. That's where the, the issues uh Well, start. that time you were saying, no, I was sounding sarcastic, but I was actually being sincere. So it was yeah. the complete opposite problem. I feel like we had just watched a, a film recently that had like a similar device where like um like certain pieces of like an artist stop trying work. to change the subject from no, this no, movie. no 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 I, I, oh i'm trying to remember what the movie is I, I feel like i watched something recently that had like a similar device where it's like pieces were coming into this person's life i know i just watched something with a very similar device oh I genuinely have no idea what you're talking about yeah oh god well, it'll come back to me at some point. Like, uh, oh, like, <clears throat> are you talking about like the whole? This is the inspiration that wrote the iconic play. Yeah, like the iconic okay. piece that this person's gonna make. No or idea. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't. I know mean, I know that. a lot of there are a lot of movies and TV shows out there that like like doing like this is the origin story of the play. Some of them true. Some of them, most of them mm-hmm. not. Um, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know what, Romeo and Juliet's in the public domain, so you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. So yeah. Yeah, uh, one and I genuinely that- believe that. <laughs> yeah, what, one other thing I do I do want to give a shout out to is to like the set design in in this film, which was really, really, really well done. Um, what did you like about the set design? Go into that. Yeah, Discuss yeah. the intricacies of the set design that you really enjoyed, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I just love how how well it just throws you in, into the world. You how? know. I, how? Yeah, how? By being a relic of a time long past, by really throwing us in. Because I, I feel like, I feel like, especially so often in these, okay, 
is, is period piece the appropriate period piece is the appropriate term. Gotcha. Okay. So, <clears throat> and maybe it's just the fact that I haven't seen a gigantic amount of period pieces in my life. You should. There so, are some that are really great. I actually have heard great things about the the great. So maybe the great that's, is that's fantastic. Right. I highly recommend you watch it. All right. Uh, so, so maybe I, it's just because I haven't seen a lot of these. I'm, I'm very easily wowed by like the production design because especially to. So to is con- the Academy. <laughs> As I like, cause every time they do a period piece that wins best costumes, best set design. That's like a pretty common thing, right? I feel like that's just in the rule books at this point. Like, oh, period piece is, was it a good, was it good? Who the fuck knows? We're going to mark it. It won anyway. We're going to vote for it. We're going to vote for it because I didn't see any of these movies because it's a rule that I don't actually have to. <laughs> I mean, it's not a rule. It's suggested, but you don't, it's not in the rules that you, I mean, have you, you, to. you could argue that, uh, that's, that's why the favorite, uh, did so well at, at the Academy Awards. Have you ever seen the favorite? Oh, I've never seen it. But I know it's a period piece. Then what the fuck are you talking about? The favorite was because you were, you were talking you were talking about how period pieces. Like, oh, okay, so I see. Well, like, I see. I thought you were like criticizing no, Olivia no, Coleman's no. win. I was. Like, I was. Ag- I was agreeing with you that okay. that period pieces historically do well at the Oscars, and I mean, no, and that they was, do. They're favorite. They're yeah. Hollywood porn. Oh, Literally, yeah. we see Gwyneth Paltrow's boobs in this movie. Yeah, which is why it had an R rating, even though. You get like a couple scenes of side boob, and yeah. that's about it. I'm like, after, wow. After she got over the fact that uh, <laughs> finding out that William Shakespeare had a wife, like she got over that. No, that was before. Pretty. That was before. We saw her boobs before that. I thought their love scene was after. No, after. no. It was like they meet at the party. Then uh, she goes and she's pretending to be Thomas Kent. Um why does that name sound familiar? I'm like going back through my theater history and I know like if my theater history professor is listening to this right now, she's going to be screaming at me like, oh, how did you miss this? I'm so sorry. No. And then she goes back to being Thomas Kent and then they're on the boat and he's like, give her this letter. And then she kisses him and he's very confused for a second. And then he's like, oh, fuck, it's actually Gwyneth Paltrow because she looks exactly like Gwyneth Paltrow, even when she's wearing a wig and has an obvious fake beard on and then runs in and climbs up her balcony. And then it's the like balcony scene and that bullshit. And yeah. Do, it's do not the balcony the- scene. It's the second balcony scene. Excuse me. The scene where they actually, in Romeo and Juliet, where they actually have sex. Mm-hmm. Which I bet they didn't show in elementary school. No. They did yeah. Not. They, no, they did not. They, yeah, that, that no. would have been a fun situation to explain to us as to like what is going on right now. I mean, I bet they were explaining what is going on right now quite a ton to you elementary school students. I mean, yeah. I like, mean, don't get me wrong. I actually think Shakespeare is great to see live. And I think the more you watch it, the more the language just starts to adapt to your ear and you get a feel for the poetry, even when you're younger. But I also think... Romeo and Juliet, not the best show to show elementary school kids. You want to do a comedy like Midsummer or As You Like It or something like that. You want to do one of the wacky ones with a clown in it. That will get the kids' attention because well, there's a lot of physical at, at comedy. Least, at least we didn't get the version that was in sex education. That wasn't that wasn't <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, dude. That was no. something entirely different. That was a sex-crazed fantasy version. Yes. Of that a was a tentacle play. porn version. 
Oh my god. Okay. Bring, <laughs> bring it back and away. Are you sure you don't want to keep talking about tentacle porn that you no, brought up? No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, but yeah, going back to the set design, it's, I, I think it's one of the reasons why this film, when it was competing for Best Art Direction, that it ended up winning. Um, I think, you know, my, it, it very well could be a combination of the fact that, like, A, the Academy fucking loves period pieces, and B, the production design was just really, really strong for this film. And it just happened to be to its advantage that it was a period piece. Um, so, yeah, wanted to, to give that a, a quick shout out. Uh, yeah. What do you want to talk about next? I feel like this movie was trying at a lot of points to be a feminist film. Mm, yeah, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about and that. And it didn't work. Yeah. We have moments of like extreme where I think they were trying to give Gwyneth Paltrow's character a lot of agency when she decides to be an actor, but she has to dress up like a boy to do it. When um, she decides to go on for Romeo and Juliet and everyone's just like, you know what? Okay, you'll know the lines. We're going to risk a lot of bad, all of us getting arrested so that you can go on and perform this play. Real dumbass shit. They would have been arrested on the spot. Like the whole thing where, and then like it just kind of ends. Like I feel like there were so many moments where they were trying to give Gwyneth Paltrow's character a lot more agency than she actually had. But then they were like, oh, but we don't want to, we've already fucked with history, but we don't want to change it enough that she still at the end has zero agency over herself. (laughs) She can't Mm -hmm. choose who, she can't choose her future. She can't choose what she wants to do. She basically has to marry this dick dude because she has to, and she has to go off to Virginia and leave everything she ever knows. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I I don't – I feel like there's so many parts where it was like just on the verge of this is kind of empowering, and then it just doesn't go that far. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like yeah. that was just – it was just a general vibe <laughs> I was getting. It It felt very surface level. Yeah. And yeah. then I mean like – and especially like in the actual direction itself because we have we, – we're, we're meant to think that Gwyneth Paltrow is this character who has a lot more agency than she actually does. But then we also have so many scenes. She's the only one we see naked essentially. She is also – we see her doing a ton of sex scenes with Joseph Fiennes. And I'm not saying that's like women's sexuality is a bad thing or anything like that. But then like I feel like we've made her so much of an object in this film. Yeah, and, and I, I think so much of that has to do with the and fact, the fact that, that she was like, oh, there's something better than plays after that. I'm like, barf. That yeah. is that is a man 1,000% wrote this. Oh, and, and yeah, and, and it was two straight white it men who wrote this. It was two men who wrote this. It was this. a straight white man who directed this. And it is very clear that, that you know, there there is there is that element there. And I think that's something that I find so refreshing that that now, here in 2021 – we actually are arriving at a point where people are being empowered to tell the stories that are actually about them instead of just, oh, no, it's okay. A straight white man will take it from here. Like, you can just calm down. Like, you you got your story greenlit. That's the good news. But the straight white people will take it from here. Like, like we're there, actually- are, there are no women in this film unless mm-hmm. they are engaging with a man in some way Mm -hmm. and and for for like i would say there are three main women characters in this film there's gwyneth paltrow there's judy dench and then there's that other dude that shakespeare was fucking but apparently everyone was fucking two of them get fucked quite a lot in this film and then you got judy dench who um is amazing i'm not i'm not gonna 
criticize. Yeah, I was like, I was like, do not yeah. shit on Judy Dench. I I'm will not shooting on her. I'm not shooting shitting on Judy Dench. I love Judy Dench. I do think it was funny that two we had two like Elizabethan movies this year because we also had Elizabeth. Yes, yes, that, um, that we did. Um, but but yeah, no, I I I will not I will not fight you on that point. Yeah, I think that that is a very valid critique of of shakespeare and love and i love that we as a especially with like the thing with shakespeare too that's so that i genuinely love is not all of his female characters but a lot of his female characters do have a ton of agency and control over their own lives and they're actually for the time incredibly strong but Mm -hmm. And I feel like in a way this film was trying to replicate that by saying like Viola was like the inspiration for all of these characters, but she's really not. She's just a little vanilla. I don't think it's Gwyneth Paltrow's fault. I think it's just the way the character was written. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of boring. But speaking of of, uh, like upcoming like Shakespeare stuff, that's part of the reason why I'm so excited to see Tragedy of Macbeth, uh, that Joel Cohen's actually going to be directing and writing for the first time by himself, not without the, uh, not with uh, the other Cohen brother. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I will not ignore the critique that, that, you know, there, there's a lot of white straight men energy up in this film. Yep. Um, and it doesn't help that this was produced by Harvey Weinstein. No, no. Um, so Fuck like, him. you know what? I remember, I remember in Gwyneth Paltrow's, Fuck Harvey Weinstein. Um, I remember seeing Gwyneth Paltrow's speech. She was thanking Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, oh, cringe, 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 cringe. Ha, ha. Like, it was just, oh, you do, uh, uh, and like, it just did not help. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that. A lot that, of people say that, like, his campaigning and pressuring on the Academy is one of the reasons why this film got nominated and won so many awards as opposed oh, to yeah. Private Ryan, which is obviously a better movie. Um, Harvey Weinstein was a scary guy for several reasons. Yeah, yeah. Like, he sucks. I hate him. Yeah. And, like, I, I was, like, looking at stuff to, like, prepare for, for this episode. And, like, I found his Wikipedia page. And I love, love, love how in the first line of this Wikipedia page, it says, Harvey Weinstein is an American former former film producer and convicted sex offender. And I'm like, yeah, because he fuck is. you. Like, fuck you, man. Like, like I honestly, uh, I don't even want to talk about him anymore because I really hope yeah. he doesn't get remembered for, remembered for the movies he produced. I hope he gets remembered as being a sex offender. So I don't even want to bring him up in regards to this movie anymore. Yep. All righty, right. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, I, w- I was also shocked this, that this film brought in two hundred eighty-nine million dollars. Like that is, that is that is pretty outstanding, especially for it being nineteen ninety-eight. Like, nah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I was two when this movie came out. So, so was I. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't, I, I, don't I don't remember. My mom ever saw this. My mom likes like romance movies like this. So yeah. I wonder if she saw this. Yeah. Oh, also, I I didn't recognize Tom Wilkinson in in this movie. Who's he Tom looked, Wilkinson? Uh, so I'm trying to think of like what's what's a role. Who did of he his. play? Um. Oh, was he the 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 guy who was playing the nurse? Uh, that's the dude from Downton Abbey. He no, he was playing uh Hugh Fennyman in in this movie. He's also played. Oh, uh, what's some recent movies that he's Hugh done? That you've known? Who um, who is <clears throat> Hugh Fennyman again? So remember that that guy at the beginning when Jeffrey Rush was like having his feet 
above. Oh, was the, he the mobster dude? The mobster dude. Yeah. Fuck. He, okay. He was my favorite character. Like, I don't yeah. care about any of this story. What I want to see is a story about a mobster dude who discovers a love for Shakespeare plays and decides to become an actor while he's a mobster dude and actually does an okay, decent job. That's the movie I want to see. I want to see just a movie devoted to this character. That's the spinoff we didn't know we needed until now. And now we got to make it happen. Just, yes. And literally the, the title is just Fennyman. And Fennyman. And it's a journey Tom from mobster to Shakespearean actor. And it's it's uh it's uh Tom Wilkinson coming back to the role. Yes. After what 20 Did you hear his Hamlet? It was incredible. This mobster's Hamlet, oh Mwah. and then later in life he'll play like Prospero. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> beautiful, divine, divine. Divine. Uh, he'll give the beautiful speech at the end. Uh no, is that Ariel's speech? No, it's Prospero's speech, yeah. <laughs> I am a Shakespeare nerd. I studied a lot. I was a theater student. We did a lot of Shakespeare and we studied a lot of Shakespeare. And honestly, (laughs) I have a really high respect for it because of my wonderful teachers. Yeah. Viola's just so boring. (laughs) She's so boring. She was written as a blank vessel, essentially. I mean, could you argue- could, could could you argue that that Viola is kind of like the character that was written for like the audience to relate to, or do you feel like there's another character that we're meant to have a stronger relationship with, or a stronger? You think we were supposed to relate to her? Well, I mean, I, I don't really know who else we would have we were supposed to. Certainly not Wessex. Like, like I, I'm trying to figure out who else. I feel like I related far more to the mobster who developed a love. I feel like I related far more to the side characters. By the way, the John Webster thing. Oh, my God. Can't believe they dropped that in. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I freaking related more to Marlo than I did this. By the way, that was one scene that I actually liked in the bar where Marlo was like, oh, so you should do this. You should do this. Because that's actually how... It happened back then. We have this crazy notion that all of these plays were written by one person and that person was a genius. Really, the practice was that one person would kind of write it and then someone else would write something else and someone else would write something else. It would kind of be this Mm -hmm. play is a mishmash of a bunch of different authors and then they would put one person's name on it. Like Shakespeare didn't write all of these plays alone, just like Marlowe probably didn't write all of his plays alone. Is there, is there anything else that we wish to touch on? Um, the scene where the nurse, who is Dolores Umbridge, will never be able to see her as anything else. She killed it in that role, and now I can't see her as anything else. Um, the scene where the nurse sits in front of the door while they're having sex, fanning herself. One of the most uncomfortable things I've witnessed. <laughs> yeah. Abs- yeah. I think it was supposed to be funny. Instead, I'm like, uh... Okay, so are you doing this so no one disturbs them? That can mm-hmm. you do this from outside the other door so you're not hearing everything? I can't imagine a more awkward thing than basically having the child that you pretty much raised because your mother is absent. It's your nurse that raises you. Mm-hmm. And listen to them lose their virginity behind a door. <laughs> I can't cannot i oh i i hated that i absolutely 
hated that. I hated that so much. Yeah. There's so much stuff in this that's uh-huh. just like silly, I guess. I feel like a, I, that's all almost kind of the point, though. As I was like, you know, it's because yeah, I think I the, feel, the film feel- is a, the film's aware on some level that, especially since this is a made up story, you know, it is I, taking a lot of liberties with a lot of things. I actually think it struggled a lot by trying to be Romeo and Juliet because Romeo and Juliet is a really revolutionary Shakespeare play in the sense that it's a dramedy. It's not a comedy or a tragedy. It's both. Um, Because it starts as a comedy and ends as a tragedy. And I think they were trying to do the same thing with this movie by have it start as a comedy but end as a tragedy because these two people had to separate. But I didn't really fucking care because I had no investment in their relationship whatsoever. Um, And, like, it doesn't – the tone – I feel like if they had just picked one or the other and they should have gone with comedy and just leaned harder into that, it would have just been a better movie. Like, as opposed to, I don't think the dramedy tone translated as well to this version, which is a shame because dramedies were are like one of my favorite genre. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it just, it didn't work for me. I think they should have just leaned into the comedy and kept all of the sappy bullshit out of it. <laughs> so you think that they should, they should have really leaned into. Yes, absolutely. The, the comedy. They should have. I, I really th- would have been so happy if the mobster dude was the main focus and like he like every time so- like someone interrupted the play, he would have like one of his goonies kill that person and stuff. Just like make it ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny because they actually had a lot of test screenings for this film, and uh, the film was actually considerably reworked from the first test screen to the final end product. There was actually a lot of stuff added to make it more emotional. Um, so I, I think it's kind of ironic that I, it, there's I, a good chance that the first version of this film you would have liked a lot more. Maybe, or but- maybe it would have sucked too. I don't, I don't know. I can only go off this version. And this version, I kind of wish they had leaned harder into the comedy because I just don't care about their romance at all. If they had made me care about the romance, maybe I would have been more invested in it. But if that's like the main focus, and I, it doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. One thing I I, I, I found like a little funny, I, I was actually like, it, I feel like it kind of became a motif at one point is Shakespeare runs a lot in this movie. Like oh. there, there's so many scenes of him running from like spot to spot, And it's just like, it's like I don't know. 30 I was like, minutes of I was him like running. Oh, okay. Tom Cruise. Like, you know, it was just, he's just running in so many scenes in this movie. And I was just like, okay, like it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I was like, it's just, He's just running a lot well, in this movie. Well, it's the thing and they I was do like, in romantic okay. comedies, Andrew. They run. They mm. run towards something. And then they have to show that by having the character physically run a lot. Yeah. Didn't you know that? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, um, my God. And also, when the dude who just... When Jeffrey Rush's character, who just got his feet burned, he got his feet scorched by coals and then he walks to Shakespeare's place. I'm like, you can't move, sir. Your feet have like fourth degree burns on them. Your feet need skin grafts before you can move. You are you are confined to a limp the rest of the movie. It's 1593. I don't even think they know what skin grafts are. No, I know. 
but he should have been limping the whole movie. Like his feet are destroyed. She's just given him a cane and just like, oh, right now this is an element. Yeah, if they had given him a cane, I would have. I wouldn't be saying anything. They absolutely should not have been making him chasing Shakespeare everywhere because this dude can't walk. Okay, his feet are gone. Yeah, he was continuously pressed into the coals by his feet, and, and he almost was, lost and his we, ear. And we came in halfway through. We don't know how long he's been. They've been doing that to him. Yeah. Yeah, and he almost lost his nose in his ear. Did he really? Well, he almost. Yeah, they they were gonna. He talked his way out of it. Uh, also, I think it's it's hella impressive how Judy Dench took home an Oscar for her performance in this. Because like in the grand scheme of things, she wasn't in the film like a tremendous mm, amount. No, I feel like every time you have like, if the movie isn't directly about Queen Elizabeth, yeah. she's not in the film that much, which is fair because. She wouldn't be involved in this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> she really yeah. wouldn't. Um, yeah. But I just love how she just kind of like a- appeared the few times that she did. And the camera was like, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was like, you're Judy Dench. Yeah, you're, you're Judy Dench. And you played one of the most Oscar-fied roles of all time. I don't even know who huh. she was up against. Hang on. I'm curious now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, like, was it just the fact that like the competition was just really... Kathy Bates in Primary Colors, mm. Brenda Bethlin in Little Voice, Rachel Griffins in Hillary and Jackie, and Lynn Redgrave in God and Monsters. Never heard of any of these movies. Yep, 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 yep. So she was probably writing the, the Oscar buzz of Shakespeare in Love and just wrote that all the way to her Oscar. I don't know. I'm not going to argue that Judy Dench doesn't deserve an Oscar because she's oh, no. fucking incredible, but maybe, maybe not. All right. Anything else? kind of wish this movie was just Romeo and Juliet. Then we yeah. could have just watched Romeo and Juliet, which is arguably a good play. I mean, a lot of people would argue with you that it is a good play. <laughs> I feel like you got to see it now, dude. Like if you saw it when yeah. you were 11, that... That's so watered down. Like, there's really something beautiful about some of the versions. I, I don't think every version they do mm-hmm. of it nowadays is great, but um, like, I yeah, I I I got a lot of. Re- I didn't really like the play until I did it, and then I just it gave me this really new respect for it. So, well, let's see if uh, the the Chicago Shakespeare Theater. They're not. Oh, they're not. <laughs> they're not doing it this year. So you should go see as you like it because they're doing as you like it with Beatles music, and I saw it, and it's fantastic. Okay. So yeah, there was also a controversy. I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the episode about how a lot of people were criticizing the Academy's choice of giving the Oscar to Saving Private Ryan over um, uh, what? this movie. They gave uh, the Oscar to sorry, Saving Private sorry, Ryan. Sorry. No, they didn't. How it was given to this movie over to – I flip-flopped it between okay. here and here. How they gave it to, to Shakespeare in Love over Saving Private Ryan. Um and actually, um, in 2015, the Hollywood Reporter like wrote a piece claiming to have interviewed hundreds of Academy members, uh, if, if indicating that you know having to choose between Shakespeare and Love and Saving Private Ryan, a lot of them would have actually chosen Saving Private Ryan, and that the reason that this film won all the awards it did is because uh, uh, basically the producers involved with the film strong armed a lot of the film's talent. Yeah, that's how this works. Yeah. That's yeah, that's how this works. What what do you want me to say? Like. The Oscars are bullshit. <laughs> we just do a we just we they're just so do, fucking corrupt. Like we I don't just know do a whole podcast dedicated to the Oscars, but they're bullshit. They are. They are bullshit. You just explained why they're bullshit. 
Like yep. they're they're corrupt. They are not a fair system. They have flimsy rules. They barely have enough representation in their like choice voters. It's especially not in like 1998. Like I yeah. I I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't with this. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And look, it's, it's okay if you like these movies. That's fine. That's totally fine. Some of them are great and some of them aren't. And we just need to stop thinking that there is a prestige around them because there isn't. There isn't a prestige around it. No. It's like the Grammys. It's like any award show, like any entertainment award show. Bullshit. Agreed. Great. Oh, so on that Lord. lovely note, final thoughts? Yeah, we'll start off with you, Brittany. Cool. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, don't care about the romance at all. I genuinely, though, I, I what did I, what can I say? I like a period piece. I liked the parallels between um, Romeo and Juliet and this movie. I liked like seeing the inspiration. I thought it was clever. I think if they had focused more on that and less on the love story, I would have been a lot more interested in it. Um, wish they had made Viola's character more three dimensional. I'm fine with it. I think it's fine. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I'd probably watch it again if it was on, but stuff. that's about it. Um, this oh, was uh, oh, and uh, yeah, if you want to watch it, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I- yeah, I mean, I I was gonna say the same thing. Like, if you want to watch it, go ahead. Um, I think this was a great one-time watch for me. Um, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm, I'm I'm not usually into period pieces, and it was it was it was good. It wasn't great. It was it was fine. It was perfectly adequate. Um, I'm glad that I watched it. I don't think I'd ever watch it again in my life ever, but I'm glad that I watched it. And if anyone's looking for period of peace, just like a fun sort of like what watch Pride and Prejudice. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, we recommend that too. But if you were looking for a fun little kind of like what if involving William Shakespeare, um, and you know, have nothing else to do really, then I'd say give this a watch. Yeah, cool. Cool. All right. So that's Love where we're time. at. Uh, let's do some plugs, dude. All right. All right. So I am on Brittany Blue Eyed on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I am also on the Tabletop Vanguard podcast, which I believe the week this comes out, we'll be having a 24-hour live stream on December 18th, which I will be a part of. We're going to be playing a lot of games on there um at one point you will see me if you really want to watch it super late at night you will see me at 3 a.m playing jackbox games after i have returned from a christmas party and i can't imagine the state i will be in so yeah check that out it's gonna be super fun uh and then something i would like to recommend i'm actually super super in to dimension 20 recently which is a uh, D show it's hilarious. I totally recommend checking out uh, their series, which is they're basically playing a bunch of villains. Um, it's called Escape from the Blood Keep. It is so goddamn funny. I cried laughing. So please check that out. Dimension 20, Escape from the Blood Keep. I love it. Awesome, awesome. And then uh, on my end of things, um, let's see. What do I – oh, just released a web series. Bordered. That's that's something. Oh, right. <laughs> just something I've devoted three years of my life to. I will, that should have been like the first thing about. I was like, what? What happened? Yeah. So, uh, bordered. Um, uh, a web series that I've been developing since I was twenty-two is now out. The full uh, season was released on um, 
November 10th. Uh, it's on open television. It's also on YouTube. In case anyone wants to see, please do. Uh, a lot of folks uh, put in uh, time, for some of them, literally money and effort, uh, blood, sweat, and tears into this show. Uh, would really appreciate if you give it a watch. Um, it was a lot of fun making it. Uh, yeah, there's something there for everybody. There's romance, there's comedy, there's drama, all that good stuff. Uh, so again, it's on open television or YouTube. Uh, feel free to give it a watch if you wish. And then the thing I'm going to plug, Tick, Tick, Boom, I really loved. I haven't uh, seen it's, it yet. It's uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut. Starts Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hudgens, Bradley Whitford. Um, so many, so many folks. Like, I'm not going to spoil it for, for, for Brittany. Um, but, oh, yeah. I already know the story. Oh, yeah. well, okay. There's also a good number of cameos, but I will not say by who. I, I will leave it to you to. No, that, that makes sense. Reasons. I assume they're from yeah. the people of Rent. If they're not, then that's a wasted opportunity. Do you want me to confirm? Yeah, just say it. Just say it. Okay. Yeah, no, there are cameos from the original cast of Rent. So, yeah, of course yeah. there are. Yeah. But th- those are not the only cameos. There, there are some cameos. I'm like, they got this person for this? Okay. Are they All like right. Broadway stars? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The there's, theater, look, here's There's the quite thing. a few Broadway stars the in The theater this, yeah. community is amazing. Like, yeah. I don't, what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> I'm not surprised that they're amazing. No, no, th- this this uh, film. Unless they're just, uh, producers who are ripping off people, then they suck. Um, yeah. No, but this film has a lot of Broadway cam- uh, cameos. Yeah, like, that makes it sense. Jonathan Larson was a huge influence on Broadway. Uh, I was just like, wow, okay, they're just, just going to keep it rolling. Plus, like when you have that and like Lin-Manuel Miranda, like when he was, he probably got a yes from everybody from everyone he asked because it was just like probably yeah, he I'll wrote Hamilton, this. which is one of the biggest musicals in the world, I think, <laughs> forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, yeah, like <laughs> so many cameos in here, but it's 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 fun. It's good fun, uh, and even for people who are listening who aren't like usually into musicals, I I think that it, it's just such a a great testament to creativity to you know, not giving up on your dreams and especially like in your twenties, just like persisting to make your art, persisting in your artistic uh, capabilities and all that. One thing I disagree with was the age of Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah. I mean, he's 38. Like he's not, he's not, he he does not look like he's no offense. Andrew Garfield. You're a fantastic actor. I, for the record, Andrew Garfield, you look amazing still like, and also like, I'm not sure if you saw this, but he gave like this interview Alf Stephen Colbert talking about the film. And like he was talking about how he actually went into making this film right after his mom had passed. Oh, that's and sad. He like he got really emotional on that interview. Like I was starting to tear up. And he was talking about how like grief is all the unexpressed love that you never had a chance to give someone. And I'm just like, this man is beautiful. <laughs> like he, it's just oh God, it was I'm I'm getting emotional just talking about it right now. Okay. Guys, being- Andrew is openly weeping on the podcast right now. It's um you know what? I'm not going to disencourage it, though. Sometimes people need to cry, Andrew. So uh, go ahead. If you want to just take uh, three minutes before we wrap this up and just yeah. cry for our viewers. In fact, everyone, let's just pause the podcast right now. Come back in three minutes after we have all had a good cry. Let's let's all, even our listeners, let's it's all just cry children. right now. <laughs> we'll wait. Seriously, ladies and gentlemen, like, uh, yeah. So that's, I guess... Now I have two things to recommend. A, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. And B, a good cry. You yes. Know? Yes. A good cry. And this episode was like, brought to you by tears. The things <laughs> that come out of your eyes. 
And that's yeah, yeah. So so get some tissues, you know. Uh, get your Sam Smith, your Adele on, uh, and just just cry. Just, just yeah, curl up in a ball in your bedroom. I promise. Let you, it all out. You, you will feel better after letting all the stress, everything built up inside. Just let it out. Just let it out. <laughs> Great. We'll wait while you guys do that. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if I put like three minutes of silence in the editing right now? And then they're like, did it end? Did it end? I don't know. Started off critiquing films, ended it with a mental health exercise. Like, Oh, oh God. Okay. All right. Uh, if we actually add in the three minutes, then- We're not. Okay, I'm can- not going to add in three minutes of silence, dude. Fair is fair. All righty, guys. That wraps it up for this episode of the Academy Arguments. Thank you all for listening Greatly appreciate your support. As always, if you want to listen to us argue about any number of films, ranging from animated films to sci-fi to drama to quote-unquote comedy, uh, feel free to give any of our other episodes a listen. Thanks again, guys. Take care. And until next time, remember, if you want to see a film with one weird romance from above, turn on your TV and watch Shakespeare in love. Weird romance from above? Yeah. Above what? I don't know. That does <laughs> What are they? What? What are you talking about? Weird well, you know, romance from above. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. Well, isn't love heavenly? What? <laughs> you took a swing there and I don't think you hit it. Like that was. <laughs> oh, you. I mean, stuff like that is, is uh, subjective, isn't it? If you believe that love is something heavenly. Is something that comes. So you, so you're only speaking directly to our listeners who believe in a higher power. I mean, is that's what happening? What's happening right now? I I didn't necessarily mean it that way. I was trying to be romantic. Okay, god damn it. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, Brittany, you, what can you, what Andrew, can you Andrew, Andrew, nice I hate things? to tell you this, but you are not Shakespeare. <laughs> Why can't you just let me have nice things, Brittany? Because uh, like... I'm the devil on your shoulder. Damn. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. The Academy Arguments was created and produced by Brittany McHugh and Andrew Nino. It is edited by Brittany McHugh, and the artwork is by Olivia Jensen. If you like what you heard here today, then tell a friend, tell a couple of friends, tell your grandmother if you think that's something she'd be into. Or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps the show get noticed when you do. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions for a movie we should do for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Academy Arguments, on Twitter at Acad Arguments, or at our email, academyarguments at gmail.com. <laughs>